Welcome to the 2011 Mid-Year Podcast. It is American Independence Day here in-game. Joining me on this beautiful Independence Day is Trent. How are you doing, Trent? I'm just fine, thanks. And Deerich, how are you? Doing great. So it's July 4th in-game. How did you guys celebrate? Uh, we celebrated – well, I guess we haven't celebrated anything. We are uh, celebrating by having the San Diego Padres come to town. So I'm sure <laughs> later this uh, virtual <laughs> evening we're going to have a great 20-run night. I mean, that that's a San Diego Padres team that just took two or three from Pittsburgh somehow. Who knows? Trent, are you still, uh, are you still trying to rebound from that uh, sweep at the hands of the Angels? Yeah, we got a game against uh, the Mariners. So uh, we, we rallied for a whopping one and five. Um, I'm so mad at Jangles for calling us shoe ins for the fourth, for the third spot in the, in the Atlantic. What a jerk. Oh my God. And then you turn around and do this. Right. Hey, I right. still believe. I still you think you're a shoe in. Hey, but. I'm on, the, I'm on the Philly train. And if you look at what we had preseason, I don't think any of us had Philly. We had, uh, Atlanta, who's 54 and 24. Second best team in the league. Well, second best record in the league, tied with the Cubs and the Mets. Pittsburgh six games back, and then it's Miami and it's Miami and Philly thirteen games back. Um, a couple of us had had Cincinnati. Virginia was thrown out there. Miami was thrown out there, but but no one was really talking Philly. Are and, you and, kidding me, man? Do you not uh, remember the praise I gave Trent? Yeah, no, I did. Was, was a fun? big believer. Yeah, yeah. I remember the phrase. I don't, but I don't believe you had him in the three seed. Am I wrong? I, you are wrong. I had yes, the three seed. I was very close to actually saying they were going to be better than Pittsburgh this year, which I'm glad I didn't go with. But I do think they're shooing for three. Miami did just make some nice moves, but I like Philadelphia. The uh, the Chevalier injury is going to hurt. He's out five weeks with a uh, with a sore shoulder, suffered in the 21-3 drubbing at the hands of the Angels. So uh, should have benched him. Yeah. Yeah, we we don't just beat you down; we take your soul as well. Um, but I mean, Jerks. Yeah. if Chevalier when when Chevalier comes back, that the the three four five there, Bilbrey, Chevalier, and Short is strong, and then Borman's been hitting the cover off the ball. He's he's slashing three seventeen, three fifty six, five fifty five. My God, he's on pace for four point four WAR, and if Foley can can play up to the ratings, it's just the pitching that needs to get worked on. Am I wrong about that? I mean, Espinosa and Ito. Ito's been a $30 million train wreck. Bo Wavell's been fine in the bullpen, but it, it comes down to the rotation. You, you traded for Gravel, who is on pace for three and a half war, which is fine, but not exactly yep. what you're looking for. Uh, Hoover's on pace for three and a half war as well. Um, so you've yeah, got he, a good he's one been a two there. Yeah. Um, but, but Ito, Ito's been an issue. That trade was an issue. I thought it was an issue when it happened, and to hear he's going to the bullpen tomorrow makes me uh makes Well, me not tomorrow, you a bit. because I don't get uh, Cardona until uh, after the sim, but uh, but yeah, he's he's got two more starts in him, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, Kurt Mears headed to Montreal in exchange for Colin Cardona, uh, the second pitch, uh, pitcher that Philly is receiving from Montreal in the calendar year. They received Espinosa preseason, who's on pace for two war, but also on uh, at this point only has 47 strikeouts compared to 34 walks. Um, not the best, but he's a left-handed innings eater. Um, he's gonna he's gonna pitch a lot of innings. Uh, he's probably the number three at this point. It's it's Hoover and Gravel that are keeping you afloat. Yep. 
It's actually wild how many starters uh, the Phillies and the Expos have swapped. Hicks, Espinosa, now Cardonia. I mean, and I'd expect in, in two or three weeks here we see Chris Santoro making his MLB debut. Yep, he'll get called up once the uh, the deadline for uh, service time passes. Uh, I guess that's after the Pacific here. That's right before the uh, Central. Yep, I believe uh, it's uh, right when that Atlantic. Central kicks off, July yep. 18th, I believe. So it's uh, going to be Christmas for us, uh, Atlantic. So. <laughs> A whole month of the Central. I can't wait to add my stats. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. The uh, the Phillies really enjoyed the North and. Uh, Teams like Cincinnati and the Marlins hated it, and everybody's doing a lot better than uh, Pittsburgh and uh, the Phillies in uh, the Pacific. So uh, uh, the Marlins have had a pretty good Pacific. I uh, sort of sat out that Sunday. There were a couple of things that I wanted to pull the trigger on, but you know what? I wanted to be patient. Trades come. We got another month till the trade deadline. We're fine. So yeah, that, there was no, a uh... no need to rush. There's a bit of a trade friends that, that we'll touch on. There was a couple big names moved. Uh, we'll touch on that in a bit. But the the Atlantic, um, I mean, you've got, again, Atlanta, Pittsburgh at the top. I, I consider them locks at this point. Um, Pittsburgh, even with the injuries, uh, Dolly, Salinas, Fort all got hurt on my watch. Uh, I want to say I'm sorry, but. You don't have to. We don't apologize to Jason yeah. in this podcast. Uh, no. no, we do not apologize to the Infernals. Virginia's only three games back. Washington was a nice little uh, fun story there at the beginning, but they have since fallen back to earth. Um, Jadon Bodrick in, in a in a walk year is batting 305 with 20 home runs. Jorge Serrano's batting 320 and playing good, uh, decent defense. So there's that, and then you just got Baltimore sitting there in the cellar. It's about what we expected. I think the Atlantic's been fairly boring. Washington was fun while it lasted, but that's long gone. Ignacio's even yeah. announcing a fire sale already. Uh, it, it's interesting to see Cincinnati so far down after last year. Is it is it surprising? I don't know. I mean, they were only they were two games under 500 last year. Now they're sitting 12 games under halfway through the year. I, I, they they really did gag the last three months. They were riding they, off of some good fortune. They've had a little bit of bad luck. Kane got hurt. Um, their pitching staff is bad. Um. Herner has been awful, um, so they've struggled a little bit with that, but sort of feel bad. I don't know that uh, Cincinnati, as we call him, knows entirely what to do. Um, but, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I think that's a good point that Kane has been hurt. Fleming's been out. Uh, those are two huge bats that have basically played a handful of games for him. So maybe I mean, yeah. they get some life, but I don't see that life bringing them to the playoffs. I mean, they're only eight games back. Uh, Justin Muller's been great, 2.3 war this year. I believe he's now cracked the top 20 pitchers in baseball. I believe he is sitting there, yes, right there at 19 now. So he's got one good pitcher. Uh, the other four are questionable. Let, let's let's go with that. They're, they're questionable. But but the, the batting's there. Burkhart, Luciani, Fleming. Burkhart's got 17 home runs this year. It, it feels like just hitting's been up across the board this year. Yeah, we had a little a brief discussion the, the other day. I think Trent brought that on about the ERA across yeah. the league. And I was thinking about that. I really wonder what the cause is. So um, I, I I noticed that as well, and I was looking – I was comparing this year to years past, looking at the history index. You can take a, a quick look at what the league batting average is and what the league ERA is compared to 
uh, past years. The league, the league ERA, at least in the in the West, is at an all-time high uh, by roughly 0.34 runs. The batting average is only slightly up. In the East, it's only up by one point from last year. So I don't know if it's fielding or what it is, but the league area in the East is also up by three-tenths of a point. So hey, that batting average in the West is up by ten points. It, uh, it, it is from, from last year, but it's only wild. up four from a, from a high in 2007. I see. Um, I do think it's defense. Um, I'm not a uh, stats genius, but let's say that look at the, our, our top leaders in defensive efficiencies, the team. And we have only one team around uh, around 700. That seems pretty low for a league leader to me. To be oh, uh, yes, in, in years past, it's horrible. In, in years past, it, it's been a, a whole bunch of teams over 700, and you have only a, uh, I believe not a, uh, you've got Atlanta at 699, and, and no one else above that in the league. Yeah, um, no one's the, close. Cum- the cumulative zone rating in the league this year is minus 32.9. Yeah, this strikes me as really bad. Considering the Braves are plus 25. The biggest defenders are the Yankees at minus 30, Washington at minus 39, Cincinnati at minus 32, and San Diego at minus 16. That's another good point about Cincinnati. That's not helping their pitchers. So it's just it's no coincidence. You just named four teams, and they're four of the worst teams in our league. If you're neglecting defense, you're making a huge mistake. And you look at the flip side of who is actually looking at their defense and look who leads in zone rating, at least at plus 20. You've got Montreal, Detroit, plus 18.3 this year. That's a big reason why they're in the three seed right now. Yeah, they have no business being in the three seed. You've got Atlanta, plus 25. Houston at nearly plus 30. And Seattle at plus 24. Man, I think everyone needs to take a long look at their team and uh, maybe bench the DHs. Get some guys with gloves. Only That's two of the 12 teams currently in a position for the playoffs, if the, if the playoffs start today, only two teams have a negative zone rating. That's the Cubs and the Royals, both in the Central. And, yeah, they're playing against garbage teams. The Cubs score a gazillion runs, so it doesn't even matter. And the Royals are just barely four games under 500. And they are one game ahead of the Rockies. Yeah. yeah I think that is it. Uh, I was thinking about this, and... That's the only real conclusion I could come to. But has something shifted in our league that's made people value defense less? I don't know. It seems like a, a huge jump to last year, and I kind of can't explain why. I was having trouble wrapping my head around a guy with a 5 ERA being a borderline average pitcher. Like, I I am borderline incapable of thinking that way. And so that's really tough for me. The guy has a 5 ERA. You're like, that guy's shit. He's awful. But no, no, he's average, maybe a little bit below average. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, as the league, the ERA is at that four point nine four. You've got yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams at below four. Seattle, California, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Montreal, New York. Man, All I those teams are top pitchers. two. All those teams are top two in their respective division. I feel bad for the pitchers with no defense. Man, like guys like Justin Muller, imagine how much better he'd be if he had a defense behind him. We said he had, he's having a good year and he's got a four four ERA. I think Poor defense guys. is I think defense is sort of tough to predict sometimes. Um, like Chevalier, we talked about earlier, he's a good example. I think he should 
rate better by the metrics defensively than he does. Um, but, uh, because I don't see anything in his ratings that suggest he should be bad and he's pretty bad. It's 45 like, you know, is kind of that, that break point where you're, you're basically unplayable. I don't want to say unplayable but, in a corner, but you're going to be a negative guy, even with a perfect arm like Chevalier has. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you with, you mean the range. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. But he's, he's just not getting the balls. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting. You're, I think, I think you're onto something about the defense. I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 it's something to keep in mind because you go cruising for guys that might help your pitching staff. You see a five ERA, four and a half ERA. And it's really not all that terrible. I tell you what, if I was one of these teams in the North or the Central where potentially just winning about 80 games gets you in the playoffs, I would say fuck it and just get an 80 shortstop. Get a Cacodino type. Get a couple of them. Your defense alone is going to carry you to a pretty decent record. You can look at Detroit and that proves it. But there's no reason you should have a win total in the 20s if you're actually trying to win. That's just defense. Um, I'm looking at uh, pitching statistics compared from last year. Babbitt this year is at 323. Last year was at 315. That's a pretty big jump. The only other time we had a jump this big in Sky history was 03 to 04 when we implemented the DH. That's it. Yep. That that was a jump of nine points. This year is a jump of eight points. All those numbers strike me as really big Babbitts. That's got to be defensive driven. Yeah, I would. It's much bigger than than Major League Baseball numbers. We've been between 312 and 318 from 04 to 2010. Man, an eight point jump is a lot considering how many plate appearances there are. It it really is interesting, and part of it could be is this at all related to to OTP 20? That's something that we won't know. Yeah, that's actually something I did not consider at all. I kind of forget we're on a new game, but. I think you're probably right there. That would uh, explain some of it. It might be this game might just be more punishing. Where you, if you are a 50 rated defender, you're probably not good enough to see the field. I mean, and and I think the the crux of this, and uh, I want to bring up Eric Donnelly for a second. 20 range. He's a 20 range infielder. He's playing first base. He has played 156 games at first base before. Played 137 last year and was minus 11 zone rating. Through 78 games this year. Eric Donnelly's zone rating is minus 18 and a half at first base. Incredible. I didn't even know that was feasible. By I know. At kind. first base of all places. Right. But they just throw into first and he can't get his fat ass to cover like, the bag. Yeah, what's happening? Right? I, I yeah. don't have an explanation for that. Because 20 range is terrible, but that at first base, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I've seen some good... Uh, Good defense numbers from guys with 30 range, 30, 40 range at first. Apparently right. 20 is unplayable, which shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I wouldn't you even would say it's a surprise it was, to San Diego. But that, you would think that, that minus 17, I mean, at, at this point in his career, he's never been a, a good defender. I mean, uh, before this year, he was a career minus, um, minus roughly 80 through 12,000 innings, 14, 1400 games. But minus 18 and a half, that that just doesn't seem real. Yeah, he's on pace for negative 30 zone rating, more. Negative 37. That's it. That is incredible. Yeah. 
Well, maybe that's it. Maybe that explains the entire rise in ERA. It's just Eric Donnelly's fat ass. <laughs> He's 270 pounds. And 48 years old. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a thick boy. He can still hit them dingers on pace for twenty. Um, <laughs> on pace for twenty, pretty good considering you're hitting a buck sixty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's got that forty contact, uh, uh, seventy eye, sixty-five power. Hey, uh, he's a California Angel special. Well, anyway, I think we all agreed not to cover, spend too much time on San Diego. Uh, I, I did just want to throw him there. There are three guys. If you just want to feel good about your team. Look at Eric Donnelly, Clay Brooks, Pat DeLaGarza, all on San Diego. Just if you want to feel good about who you have on your roster. You know, there was a time that the Padres didn't have a single guy hitting over 200 in the in the lineup. Those three still lagging. But anyway, uh, we said the Atlantic's basically what we expected. Is there, is there any division that's not what we expected? I'd say the North. I don't think anyone expected Detroit. I mean, they're they're two games under 500, but I don't think anyone expected them close to the um to the playoff race. You know, it's really just Toronto. That's the yeah. shock in that division. The rest yeah. of it I could see, but man, what the hell is wrong with the Blue Jays? They can't uh, hit. They can't play defense. They can't pitch. They're, I mean, this is like a legitimately bad team. Manzo's ERA ballooned up to 6.05 during this sim or uh, last sim. Excuse me. Um, after giving up six earned in, in one and a third against Houston. I mean, put something on the Slack about that, and I tried to help him out a little bit, because he's like, any of you next-level stat guys have anything. And I'm like, it's really not next-level, but he can't pitch to lefties anymore. He's awful. His career ERA against left-handers is really not all that terrible for a right-handed pitcher. And, and this it's year, funny. And this year, he's just getting pummeled. Hey, his like, ratings are better against lefties. He's a reverse splits guy. Yeah, it's weird. Yep. It's a turducken. Yep. And, and his the home runs aren't all either. that bad. I mean, it's not good, but I mean, this is just an outlier year for pitchers. I'm going to chalk that up to be nothing to worry about for Manzo. I, I would too. I think that's. I mean, Page has been great. Um, for Page now, is, Page is the one I'm actually worried about in Toronto. He's he was not a flyball guy. He's added that title, lost some stuff. He's kind of throwing meatballs now. He's been lucky so far, but I'd be real worried about Art Page the rest of the year. And and what to make of a Johnny Jemerson? I mean, you look at the FIP, it's a 354 FIP, lower than what he had last year and lower than what he had in 2009. Man, a 400 Babbitt will kill anybody. That's brutal. And it's interesting because this Toronto team is third in defensive, defensive efficiency. It's interesting. Um, I'd like to look up a little more about the defensive stats because Toronto makes a lot of errors. Uh, their zone rating isn't great, but their efficiency is rather high. Interesting. Something to look at. I mean, Pisano's been himself, oh, 907 OPS on pace for three and a half war. Uh, Dan Haynes has been great on pace for four war. Um, so they, they're only two games back of that playoff spot. Do you, do you think they end up making that three seed? I do. I, uh, no offense, but Detroit sucks. Eric would probably say the same thing. He probably, he doesn't think he has a playoff team. I don't think Grayson, who we, is the other guy we thought was in that mix, I don't know if he thinks he has a playoff team anymore. So I think the window's wide open for Amin. I fully expect Toronto to get their shit together. What the Indians do have is the, mess, is the best masher in baseball. 
Are you talking about newly signed Luis Contreras? Uh, or no, I'm talking about his uh, his namesake friend, Luis Alicia. Who's, who's already – For 60 home runs, which would be a sky record. Man, already has 30. So cool. He's going to have 60 home runs in two war. That's fantastic. And and he offers nothing on defense. He's, he's not been positive walk. in the field with his 30 range. Eric Donnelly can't do the same. Which just baffles me, considering that Donnelly has better air and better turn DP. Yeah. Did you guys think that Cleveland uh, was going to make a big playoff push after signing Contreras? I think they, they came were. out of nowhere in that sweepstakes. I mean, the, the the offense need to pick it up. 15th in batting average in the East, 14th in on base percentage. I think they, I'll think they'll pick it up. I mean, Octav is is batting 199 this year. There, there's no way that continues into the second half. Contreras has done his part. He's not hitting too bad. He missed a month of the season and is on pace for maybe closer to two and is on pace for three, four war. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, his defense remains a total anomaly to me. Just some years it's great, some years it's not. This looks like one of the great years. He's already plus two this year. Uh, Dusty, I think it's Dusty's probably going to walk after this year. Um, Bar has been great. The young catcher is on pace for, for nearly two war. He's He's batting right around the league average. He's got that beautiful gap power already, 10 doubles on 43 hits. Yeah, that was a nice call-up. That helps the team a lot, but they're 12 games under. I don't see anyone taking that spot away from Toronto. So even though they're two games back, you still think it's theirs? Yeah. Toronto started to trade things away, though. They did move It's almost like Amin wants to not do it. They traded I don't know what Amin wants to do. For the now number one prospect in baseball, Sean York. Which is a wild deal. Um, I gotta go ahead and give Amin the nod there. I like Gomez, but he is a number one spec who doesn't look to be a one of those fluky pitchers without a without a changeup. John York. Well, it's in, yeah, it's interesting because because I looked at him after the deal and I hadn't looked in a little while and uh, he got some nice ratings bumps somewhere because uh, it looks real pretty now. Uh, this York guy like him a lot. My scout is a big fan. Not quite as big a fan as OSA, but a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I said it in the preseason. I said he uh, had too many pitchers. Got rid of one, but he added another one. York's 23. Mike Reese is 23. Ralph Sabin's 24. He's still got a couple pieces to shuffle around. But he'll have five guys who are damn good, I'm sure. I mean, right. Sean York was a 39th overall pick, a second rounder, and by the beginning of this year, he was the number eight prospect in baseball. In case any of you guys are wondering, do I want to take a starting pitcher early? Do I want to take one late? There, there were a lot of starting pitchers taken early this year, a lot, and and there are some good ones. Uh, we'll touch on we'll touch on them more in depth later, um, but the big ones: Muller is now the number four prospect in baseball. Jonathan Asp, 44. Um, Berg at 20. So, uh, You're forgetting Walter, my favorite one. You're forgetting 16, Terminator Ted. And Terminator Ted Heineman, who has sadly torn his elbow uh, at eight. Man, but none of those so are as high as number one Sean York taking taken in the second round. York was yeah, picked here of, before, to be fair. But uh, York's right. actually interesting because he was a two. He's a two-way player. I'm sure. Play I'm him at third a, base. Please don't. Don't do that. Let him yeah. pitch. Under no circumstances should you do that. But he's a, he's an interesting guy. Justin Ross uh, has been enjoying time as a two-way player in rookie ball so far this year. 
You can do a lot of things when you're 18. You can. That's true. And you're 23. Start to think you should choose one or the other. Uh, th- I that I'd say that's fair. But what yeah, about Toronto the Central? Is, uh, Any shocks? Um, Milwaukee. This- uh, OSA apparently bad. OSA apparently knows what they're talking about, which scares me. They had Milwaukee pegged a 63 win team, and here wow. they are with 36 wins and sub 500 at the midway point. Yeah, I still don't see it. Um, I don't know if I saw them winning 100 games again, but you take a guy like Humberto Lara, he's come back to earth, and that costs you a lot of games. Yeah, I mean he's his on base percentage is below two sixty five. I believe he's still offering he's plus two in center field, on pace for thirty home runs, but ninety three strikeouts compared to fourteen walks. And Juan Ramos is officially dead. We can it's all so sad. It really um, is. Can can we both agree can we all agree that he should not be traded at any point in time? I will be so disappointed in Andrew if he trades this man. I think as a league we should veto that if if we see that Juan Ramos has found himself as a as a as a trade entity. Yeah, I think um, if Ramos wants to play, Andrew, you just got to bite the bullet, pay him ten million next year, whatever. He's got to retire in Milwaukee. He just has to. Yeah, I, I can't see him going anywhere else. But other than that, like it just, just kind of looks like the entire lineup's slightly down in production across the board. I mean, Jim Brandon, Jim Brandon. Jim Brandon is still doing Jim Brandon things. Yeah, he's sitting 360, just regular, regular but year for him. Van Santen is now just an average player. Yeah, you kind of had to think that the injuries were going to catch up to him a bit. He always was kind of one of those outperform the rankings, ratings anyway. So I'm I mean, not at surprised. His peak, he that. was an OSA 70. Um, Schumacher is. On pace for 2.2 WAR, the the power numbers are down compared to to recent years, which is surprising. Yeah, is um, this the end? Is this the end of the Brewers? Totally. He's selling guys. I mean, he's still got probably the best young, one of the best young hitters in baseball, and Ryan Pruitt. Man, I'm such a big Schumacher. Still fan. great. I mean, yeah, it's not like this. It's not like this team is old. Right? Like, Brandon's only 28, Pruitt's only 26, Schumacher's only 25. And they they're not losing run. any key guys. Um, Van Santen has an opt-out. Ramos is due for free agency. Fricktel has a player option. But other than that, everyone's coming back either through arbitration or um, is, is under contract. Man. Well, I think that if they stay tight, stay put, don't get crazy and sell everything off. I still like Milwaukee making the playoffs in the Central. Over Kansas really? City? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, you look at just the stats, and the batting average isn't terrible as a team, but it looks like they're just not hitting for any power. And then we, we all know this team has infinite power. That should come. They have a lot of even doubles hitters. Looks like it's just not coming along. I think the runs will take a big leak up, but... The rotation still question mark. Bullpen still question mark. Dave Carter's giving up nearly three home runs per nine innings. I mean, everything that could go wrong on their pitching staff has, right? It, Ramos yeah. has been out and is just shell of his former self. Carter can't get anybody out, and Stefan Williams has a five and a half ERA. And Sean yeah, Lowe's still out for another week. So, and he was struggling. 
He's probably actually been their their most consistent pitcher. He's got the lowest DRA at four five nine, which is below league average apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This bizarre world we're living in. I just would want to encourage Andrew to sit tight. Don't panic. You're only six games under in a division that we all know. 82, 83 probably gets you in. If there was a guy or two that you'd suggest him moving, would it be Van Santen? If you can, absolutely. Uh, I don't think you can. Um, I think he opts in, and I don't think anyone wants to pay him $20 million anymore. Yeah, I don't think he's a $20 million guy anymore. Um, yeah, there's, there's just not a lot of great trade options. Um, I think Ben Carson can still get something. He's on pace for two war. He's he's a on he's on pace for an, uh, for a Gold Glove here at first base. Yeah, that's an interesting trade piece because I know he has other uh, other he's a, he has a flexible infield, so he can move Santiago around. He can move whoever around. So I think Carson is a good option, but you don't want to move Pruitt. You don't want to move Brandon. You don't want to move Schumacher. That's the team. I think you just have to sit tight unless you're going to totally give up, which my whole point is that that's just too early. Yeah, they're, they're only five, game backs, five games back of Cincinnati, and I, I can't see this 5-5-7-5, five, five, which is 15th in, in the West, and a starter's area of six, which is only 13th in the West. Yeah, that's he, incredible. Well, you got San Diego. You got... Uh... Texas, whose starter's area Texas. is 644, and that's only 15th. Absolutely Bad incredible. division. Jesus, I cannot wait to play you guys. I'm just making my mouth water thinking about playing the Rangers. Um, but I think the biggest news coming out of the Central is that we've got a new GM in St. Louis. Yeah. Rick, one of uh, one of the early members, I believe he joined in 2001, uh, is stepping aside, and Jason Treese from Las Vegas is taking over in St. Louis. Yeah, goodbye to Rick. I liked Rick. Uh, I never had to, he never talked much, but he was always really easy to deal with. Mm-hmm. I think he even listened. No, he didn't listen to the podcast, but he he popped in occasionally. Uh, I guess my question for you guys is: Would you rather have the Cardinals or the Knights? What team's in a better situation? I would take the Cardinals. I would I take the I would Cardinals too. too. I would, um. This is a team with a ton of talent. Here's a little uh, inside scoop for you. There is potentially another Pacific GM that was looking at St. Louis, and it was not the Angels. Interesting. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that that's probably San Francisco Matt. That would be my guess. Who just said, I'm sick of losing. It Fuck was everything. not San Fran Matt. Right, was, it, was, it our, was it our Wiley Commish? It was our Wiley Commish. Man, what a sleaze, sleaze ball. I told him that if he still wanted it, he could always just tell Jason to fuck off. And he's like, yeah, I could. I'll stay with L.A. <laughs> he should. He's won a championship. Let him build something. I was very surprised. Steve Rich and I were talking about this before we started recording, waiting for Jake, waiting for you, Jake, that, that he put on Slack that everybody except John Hall is available. And both Rich and I think that is an awful, awful plan. Because this team's got talent. Young and, talent. Like, the, I am obsessed with these two corner outfielders, Quintana and Ortiz. I don't have any idea why you would trade guys like that. Well, I, I don't, I would doubt that Ortiz is, I would doubt that Ortiz is available. Um, I'm guessing he meant the, the big contracts, probably Rodinson, Graves, Lucarelli, Hay, Witt. Um, 
Trink and Shoot is is an interesting trade piece. You know, he was a uh, international free agent my first year, and I was just enamored with this man. I was very upset that I didn't get him, and it was kind of fun to watch him slowly, slowly, slowly develop into an all-star player. I mean, he had three war in 09, three war in 2010. He's come back to earth this year, um, but if you want a little rebuilding project, he's a 70-rated catcher. He's still only 20 – he just turned 27. Um, the BABIP is down from last year, which could very well rebound. He is due for free agency, but he's he's an interesting little little character here. I'm worried that he's going to be asking for a pretty piece of money. Right. He just got 11 million ARB. Got to think he's going to want 15. He's never heard. It's looking like 17 is his demand right now. Yeah, who's paying him 17 million? I don't think someone I that, that sees 09, 20. I, Juan Carrillo was making 20 million way back when. I, I don't think I would even pay 17 million for if I had that production guaranteed. You've got it. I mean, but you've got a catcher that doesn't get hurt, just yeah. turned 27, and was in is a two-time All Star. He's one year removed from hitting 21 home runs and three WAR. Would you not pay him 15 a year over four years? I would not. I don't think so. I don't think I would. I think he's gonna get seven million in free agency. That's my prediction anyway. Seven million. I think the oh, I, I think, think the lowest he gets is ten million over three years. I think he'll get it. I don't think I think he might even get more than that. I just think it'll be a bad idea. And we'll have to write this down, add it to the the bet list. Because I don't see it. I don't see it at all. John, I just also don't think I would pay seventeen million for a catcher if I knew I was getting three war from him. There are very few positions that you know you can get three war, get a 780 OPS, and gold glove caliber defense behind the plate. Sounds nice on paper. I think I would just take my chances with a young pup. And see if he could, could get a, get one war out of him? Yeah, I think that's just worth it. rather spend my money elsewhere. But hey, that's just me. We'll see what happens in free agency. This guy made the grave mistake of having a down year, his his walk year. That's going to really hurt. Yeah, it could cost him a lot of money. Right. I, I hope he turns it around so some schmuck does pay him $15 million If now. he goes into free agency 3-3-3 three, three, three with the war, oh, the sky's the limit. Somebody would pay him $25 mil. Oh, You guys are nuts. I hope they you are nuts, the but I, I can definitely see out. that happening as well. Let's see. Either way, St. Louis, ton of talent. See how he puts it together. Do not like trade a lot the of corner them. outfielders. No, Do and not a lot, trade them. a lot of that talent's in the upper minors now. Jose Morales at AAA, John Clark at AA, John Dane and Ramon Sanchez at High A. It's a team that could be competing for that, that North, for that central title by probably 2014. Ooh, I think maybe even sooner. At the latest, yes. Yeah, I think they I mean, can push this, the playoffs next year. If, if you want to talk about soft reboot, this is this has soft reboot written all over it. Sell off some of those sell off some of those edge pieces now. Some like probably Jeremy Durham could get something. Jeremy Durham's on pace for four WAR in 92 games. He's 75 defense in left field, OPS of over a thousand. He's someone that should be on the trade block right now. Yeah, that would be and a nice he, sell high piece. He he is due for arbitration next year. Um, that number is also projected to, at seven and a half right now, compared yeah, to the one point one he's making this year. That kills the trade value right there. Well, maybe it's a rental, but even so, he's got a, he had two point three plus WAR each of the last two years. 
So it's not like this is out of any, out of nowhere. Uh, the bat certainly is out of nowhere, but he's a great defender. He was great last year, great uh, every year. But I don't think he's a $7 million guy. Same thing as Schrute. They're okay, but they're not worth much. The core of the team is those outfielders, Jim Gregory, John Dean, Jose Morales. And when Ramon Sanchez comes up, then will this team will be in real business. Ortiz, Quintana, and then center fielder. Yep. Yeah, when Sanchez comes up. So maybe maybe you are right on that 2014 prediction. When Sanchez is 21-22, you'll still have those other corner outfielders under contract. That's a scary team. I love Ramon Sanchez. Yeah, love Ramon Sanchez. Legit 80 power, legit 80 contacts. I don't see why he doesn't get there. I mean, my scout... My scout has him with that 40 discipline and 40 eye. Oof. I mean, this literally looks like a spitting image of Nate Riley, which concerns me. Oh, man. I think you're selling Riley a little too high there. Yeah, that's Ramon why Sanchez I said this is going to hit like 340. Yeah. This guy's going to hit for so much more batting average than, than Riley. Uh, OSA likes the avoid case a lot more than your scout does. Yeah, and and that's the thing that concerns me is that he's got that same 40 I 40 avoid K that that Riley has. Right, I, I but think he also has good. 80 home run, 80 gaps, 70 contact. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Trent's top 100 list because I wouldn't be surprised if Ramon Sanchez is in the top five. So a little off topic, how do you, how do you compare a, a stud pitcher prospect with someone like say Hathaway? How so? How, how do I do it? Like, how how would you compare, say, Sean York, who's the number one prospect in baseball, to, to Hathaway, who's the number two prospect? War is probably a good way to do it. Uh, I'm just thinking quickly. You see a I mean, pitcher, you, you kind of can get a feel if he's going to be a three-war guy or a five-war guy. And same things for position players. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the tendency is, and it's just common human tendency it's not like anybody's fault but to think that all number one prospects are created equal all number two prospects are created equal and obviously that's not true at all right like uh troy pelton was formerly the number one pitching prospect in the sky and now it's york i don't think that means that him and troy pelton are the same pitcher right um and so the only way to differentiate the two is with the ratings i mean that's the only way that i can think of to do it Right. And so that's what I do. I try to really dive into the ratings, compare them to other guys at the same position and see how they're uh, doing a lot better at some levels or in some ratings than some of the other guys at that position and how they compare to some of the sky guys that are currently playing and uh, try to get a feel for what they're going to be like. Um, uh, so, I mean, for me, it's all math. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, but. I, I think I also just value a guy who's going to play every day over a pitcher nine times out of ten. you got to be transcendent as a pitcher. to Like, you can look at the top 20 prospects, top 20 hitting prospects. There's a good chance I take all those guys before I take Sean York. Just guarantee me a stud who's going to play every day. I think that I would agree, but I think that's partially because OSA does such a bad job rating pitchers. On yeah, that, it does. On that top 100 list. It's really bad. Like, sometimes I have quibbles with the hitters, too, but the pitchers just, just got awful. 
I mean, you can go back to Murdoch and all sorts of terribleness. Yeah, Noah Murdoch Wallace. and Noah Wallace. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the guy in San Diego now, Glaffney or Gaffney or whatever his Gladney. name is. I mean, yeah. I mean, so yeah, no, it, 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 OSA's got a bad history of rating these pitching prospects. But so. they, but they, once you get they, rid of the low stamina guys, the guys without changeups, I think it does okay. But you really just have to double check, make yeah, sure yeah, your guy isn't a, isn't an Aaron Gladney. No, the guy with if it's a if it's a three pitch guy and that third pitch is a changeup that has not developed yet, odds are it's not going to come in. Right. Yeah, no just assume it's not gonna. Um, of course, we all have guys like De La Cruz, who, whose changeup comes in. Um, there's another guy I was looking at, uh, or it was uh, Burris, Kyle Burris, who, who had that, that weird talent change. Of course, those guys you can't really predict. Um, but it, it's it's weird just trying to check track that 80 changeup coming in. Hey, since we mentioned Kyle Burris, do you want to talk about that trade a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about that trade. Um, that, that was a big trade that Miami made. They, uh, they added two guys, Case and Green. And um, Setakazu Morikawa. Morikawa is headed to the bullpen, where he's been pretty much all his career. Started three games this year with the Dodgers. Did not go well. Um, yeah, it looks like he should stay there for now. But but Kaysen Green came over from from the Dodgers. Uh, he had two good final starts with the Dodgers. Uh, over the last two starts, he went 13 innings, struck out 23, allowed two runs, lowered his ERA by a full point. Um, before getting sent over, Kaysen Green is is the ultimate what if. He's got the 75 fastball, the 75 curveball, the 80 changeup, 55 movement. Everything is there, but the ability, the stats just look like crap. He reminds me a bit of Bill Potts. Uh, I think he's probably a better version than, of Bill Potts, but yeah, you're 27. At some point, you got to produce. And if if Jay's listening to this right now, whenever he's listening. Case and Green's arbitration number right now is a million for next year. Sign him to that now. Yeah, that's a would have been an interesting move for Michael um, to just say fuck it and I'm going to extend Green. I guess the question is, fuck Morikawa, fuck the fourth rounder. Uh, who do you like the career of, Case and Green or Kyle Burris? Burris is a all movement guy, super young. We haven't even seen him ever pitch basically. Considering he's just a new pitcher now. So OSA has him right now at 55-75, and I think you'd agree with me that this is the worst 55-75 you have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you if I just looked at these OSA ratings. This guy's horrible. But then wow. I click on my scout and I go, oh. He added the sinker. I see. Yeah, and his ratings are way better. So um, unrelated, do you think that this ties into the OSA is a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yes. Very much. I've become a big believer in that. I do. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, the, my first thought is David Sandoval, a guy who I know both of you all have hated <laughs> and shit yep. on over the years. But OSA always had him at 80, and all of a sudden he's looking like a ball player. Kind of coming yep. into that rating. So there's yeah. some truth, me, I think. Let me just say that if that's what happens, I, I, I'm still going to call bullshit. Like, I think that's raw. I think that's stupid. Why not just give the guy better potential ratings from the start? Yeah, then it exactly. looks normal. Like, I don't understand. Like, why yeah. do it? If you I thought mean, he like, was going to be 80 potential, where did you think he was going to be good? Right. I, it doesn't make any sense. And it, to me, it, this it, ties in immediately with John Muller in San Diego. Man, this is a 
one of the most fun prospects I've ever seen. I mean, you just look at those OSA ratings and you just want to drool. Yeah, he's OSA perfect. has him 80 stuff, 70 movement, 75 control. He's Pons. He's left-handed Pons. He's a better version than Pons. The kicker, he's 18, and his velocity is 89.91. And, and he's, he's so fucking uh, raw in every way imaginable. And he's got unmotivated or, or selfish or something written all over him for his personality. Regardless. Hey, is his personality I, look bugged to you when you look at it? Uh, has been known to dog it on the field, period, backslash N. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's Come on, weird. shit together. That must mean he's going to be super good. He broke the game. He did. Yeah. I don't know. I, Ten bucks says right now he ends up being an, a future value 65 pitcher. Oh, like that's what I, he, I think. That's I what think he that settles be, in as. I don't like those odds at all. I would take the under 10 times out of 10. I think most likely the changeup never comes. He sucks his whole career. He tears his UCL next year, and we forget about him. But looking at it now, mm, salivating a little bit. By the way, of all three of these guys, including Case and Green, I'll take Kyle Burris. I love this kid. Interesting. My so you like the is, deal for, my for scout is LA? A, my scout is a big believer. I don't know what to do with Case on Green. Like what the I, I I don't know what to do with guys like that. I have the hitting version of Case on Green right now. His name is Jason Foley. I don't have any idea what to do with him. Like the ratings don't match the production. What do you do with a guy like that? I tried today to pull what we just told Jay to do and sign him to like a five year extension of average annual value one and a half million. Because he knows he's not very good. And you gotta bet on the the ratings coming to form sooner or later. Yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to say when the guy hits 27 years old. It does. At some point, I, I, a lot I, of guys just don't ever amount to anything. I don't think that's the case on Green. I think he's going to turn out to be good. I think he's going to do well in Miami. But I was disappointed in this in this deal from Los Angeles. Um, just even giving if up. Was, just feels like giving up, doesn't it? Yeah, you just quit. Like the Dodgers are in the playoff hunt. Uh, I think we all would pre before this trade bet on them making it uh, just because they always do. I mean, San, San Francisco's only a game behind them. And they're making – San Francisco is making moves, which is good. Strong moves. So it would, it would have been a race. But right. let's say the Dodgers make the playoffs. We know that they have the potential to just run the table as they've done in the past. And if that was ever going to happen, Case and Green would have been a huge part of that. Like if this team – Won the championship in 2011. It would have been Phillips and Case and Green pitching great. That dream is dead. I think the Dodgers season is over. I think this is a bitch out move for Michael. So who takes the three seed in the Pacific? San Fran. Yeah, I like San Fran, but I also think the Dodgers could still do it. Wouldn't shock me, but they lose the potential to, to make a deep run now. I'm the, their number three now is Khalil Savage. Yeah, Macho Man, I'm sorry. You just can't cut it. Steve Miller, can't cut it. Engen, the other guy they got in this deal, doesn't help him. Uh, it's, uh, a, it's a it's a pretty, pretty bullpen, though. Ford still is killing it. Uh, the ERA bug has not uh, hit him at all. 217 ERA, uh, 13.7 Ks through nine. So he's still been himself. Or Helio Benavides has a sub-two ERA as well. Um, so the pieces are still there. 
Um, they could make the, the playoffs, but their ability to win the championship is gone. Especially having to go through Seattle and California in the yeah. in the Pacific. You just need yeah, another arm. I think that's tough. I, I think I agree with D. Rich largely in that I don't understand the meaning behind the trade. I don't know that I hate the way it's going to work out because I really like Kyle Burris. Really, yeah. really, really like him. Hell, it might make them better next year, and that's great. But I'd like to see Michael make that decision either sooner or later. It's just it seems like an odd time to do this, and I would encourage him to keep moving pieces if this is uh, the route he wants to go. I mean, and, but he's also said that, that he's looking to buy. He said that that a whole bunch of specs, including a couple of top hundred guys, are available, including Gabe Goldman. Yeah, and it looks like he wants to get a starter to replace Case and Green, which just makes me scratch my head. But if you're going off of past production, it kind of makes sense. It could, yeah. Um, I guess let's say they they make a move for a starter. All of a sudden, essentially, you're just saying, I traded some prospects. For Kyle Burris. And that's okay, because Kyle Burris is a nice piece, but the whole thing just feels weird. It's just an odd move. I wonder I, if he could have gotten Burris without moving green. That was probably the sticking point in the deal, seeing that green is still, what, I believe he's still a, an OSA 55 pitcher. Yeah, I, I don't know. And what's funny is that he's 8-5 and five this year. He hit, he has eight wins this year. At one point, he was seven and three at one point, which is just so weird. Hey, anyone can win games when all you need is an ERA under five. Well, and the and the Dodgers can score runs. That's not a bad offense. They're fine. Ernesto Jimenez is is still hitting home runs. He's hit twenty five this year already. My God. Yeah, I suppose I should hold off judgment until they until the deadline passes. But it feels like an odd move in the middle of the playoff hunt to move your pitcher without something lined up already. Because what if that guy never comes? Especially I don't know with, who he's going to get. Yeah. Who? What I pitchers mean, are on the block? Especially with the with the schedule that's coming up. He just got swept by Atlanta, and it's Pittsburgh, Philly, Miami, all right, all right here. Man, that's going to be difficult. And then you look at San Francisco. What their schedule is. Baltimore, Virginia, Atlanta, Pittsburgh. They have Atlanta and Pittsburgh in the same week. That's going to be fun. Hey, so do I. That will be fun. Looking forward to it. I hope the Giants make it. Love Michael, but I hope this move bites him in the ass. Get some new blood in the playoffs. And San Francisco has some balls, man. I kind of can't understand their moves either. To just go all in the way they are, giving up on Rodriguez, giving up on York. To make a, a postseason run with Gomez? It's I, I don't love it. I don't like, love it. I appreciate it, but I it's, don't think it's about work damn out well. time someone in the Bay Area makes the playoffs, and Oakland is currently seventh in the West. Or seventh in the Pacific. Yeah, with no sign of turning it around. Lost his last six. It's so weird to see Oakland at 30 and 48, considering everything that Souders and Flores have done this year. Yeah, it turns out you need more two <laughs> players to win in baseball games. Who knew? Yeah, I really appreciate the boldness of Matt going for it out there in San Fran, though. I think that's cool. Yeah, Good I'm for glad. Him. I'm glad. I think he's kind of fed up with uh, losing. I'm sure anyone would be. Trent, you want to care to comment from someone who's in a similar Yeah, boat? no, I mean it's no fun. I mean, <laughs> you got to decide. You got to decide sooner or later whether to, you know, you got to shit or get off the pot. And agree. Uh, I just don't I, know if this is the year. 
But the case in green move makes that things look a lot better in San Francisco. I mean, San Francisco is only one of three teams that have not made the playoffs in the human era. Yikes. Yankees, Oakland, San Fran. That's it. The thing is, if, if they want to get better for next year, how do they do that? They don't really have any assets left. Sean York was the big piece, and I don't know if Gomez was great return for him. Not to mention he also gave up a two and a three. Oof. Which is crazy, man. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to separate out, maybe not doing a good job explaining it, the idea behind the moves and the moves themselves. I don't understand, like D. Rich, the idea behind the Case and Green move. But I think the move itself was pretty good value for Case on Green, get a guy like Burris. I, I think that's pretty well done. I think I have the opposite attitude with San Fran. I think I really appreciate the idea behind the moves. I like the going for it. I don't know that you've got great value for Ricky Rodriguez in York. I would agree with that completely. They are both top 25 guys, and that has vaulted Toronto into the number four system in baseball now. Or excuse me, Sean uh, – Reggie, or sorry, uh, that went to – Ricky Rodriguez went to Baltimore. Yeah, no, excuse Baltimore me. is one of them. Toronto was the other team. Um, Sean York has now been vaulted into the number four system with the addition of the number one prospect in baseball. Yeah, it was Willie right. Thiel they went out to get. Willie with. Thiel, yep. Right. Odd, odd move there as well. That move I didn't mind as much. I also uh, – I'm kind of with you because I'm a Ricky Rodriguez hater, and Thiel's going to be productive. <laughs> My favorite piece of that trade was, was Logan Yokiel, the, the right fielder. Really? I like Yokiel. Yokiel to me projects he, I've got him 50 plus everywhere. So does OSA. Um, he's he's a, probably going to be a net negative in the field. He's a lefty, which probably takes away some of that appeal. But he he was my favorite piece in that in that deal. I, I was after Yokiel for a little bit there, um, and it I believe like a, he's. It looks like a DH. You can't hit lefties. That's not worth much. And if you if you look at his if you look at his splits, the the splits aren't all that bad against lefties. They're okay, but if you're DHing this guy. You want splits better than that. I have no love for Yo- Logan Yokiel. I sort of like Thiel. I think he's – I like Thiel a lot better than I do Gomez, which is weird to say, I realize. But I, I like Thiel more than Gomez, I think, especially in that park. And he's getting retained too. Right. Yeah, half retainer. Like so, so worst case scenario, he's paying top dollar for a uh, for a closer. <laughs> he's paying $10 million, $12 million for an elite closer. We'll see if he goes to the uh, to the opener. I think we've all thought about Thiel as being a, maybe an ideal follower candidate. I mean that that 35 stamina is rough. But he can give you three innings. Maybe he can give get you a pitch two through six and then give it to the bullpen. There's some yeah. there's something out there that's fun and creative you can do with Thiel. I mean only three quality three out of 15 starts this year are quality starts for Thiel. Well, because you got to hit six innings. And and he just can't do that at this point. Yeah, he's never going to do that. He he has to be lights out to pitch six innings. He was so good in Baltimore this year. So yeah, good. It's a shame what's happened to him. Hope he pitches well in San Francisco. But I the the point is, I agree with you, Trent. Uh, I like the idea behind San Francisco's moves. Don't necessarily love the moves. Um, I don't know if this was the right time for them, but God, I appreciate him doing it. I'm going to root for him the rest of the way. It would be nice to to have Seattle or, or us feast on some new blood in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, no kidding. I want Speaking more new playoff teams. 
Um, it wasn't just San Francisco and the Pacific making moves. Uh, the Angels made a move, uh, traded for former Head of the Year winner Lupe Villegas um, for relatively nothing. Uh, yes, nothing. Nothing is correct. You gave up nothing. But we were talking about this before. Um, he's an expiring contract, which has some value. He's a nice piece, but I can't think of another buyer who would be logical outside of New York. Most of the playoff teams have a pretty stacked outfield. Unless and in I'm case it's them. worth anything, Jeff Hyde is the number eight prospect in the next system, and Jared Rutherford is the number 11 prospect. So we got two top 12 prospects for an expiring deal. Which is good when, until you think about how bad that farm system was before, because that doesn't mean a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would admit I haven't really looked closely at the prospects here, but I don't know, just a cursory look. I didn't think he did as terrible as everybody else was making it out to be. Maybe I'm the only one outside of his crazy, wonderful, great season right after he got paid big bucks by Texas in free agency. I don't know. I've never really been a Vegas buyer. Never been a big believer. Was he being shopped around by Texas or was this? Uh, a, uh, his name his name was yeah. posted in, in the trade block a couple times. Okay. Yeah. It's just hard. Um, he's a corner outfielder that, Corner outfielder who doesn't play much defense. The only teams that could really use him who are in the playoff hunt, there's just not many of them. So, and I'd argue that we didn't really need him either. Uh, Correct. You could certainly make that argument, but he makes you better. I don't think he would make the Braves better, for example. Uh, you don't think he's an upgrade over McCullough? No, I don't. I don't. Not for what the not for what the purpose he would serve. He certainly helped me against left-handed hitting or left-handed pitching, but he's not going to be better than McCullough against righties. So it's and a wash. Even if he was retaining half, you'd be paying 18 million. Well, at this point, probably half of that. So nine million over the course of the remainder of the year for, for a, a short side of a platoon guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it doesn't help me. It doesn't help a lot of these playoff teams, but it helps the Angels. I think it would help New York Mets. Um, hell, if San Francisco wanted to be involved in that, they could probably have swung something. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a decent trade for Texas, but I worry that he didn't reach out to everybody, everybody possible. And it should be pretty easy to find the suitors. You just look at the teams projected for the playoffs, look at their outfield, send a message, and you're done. And that's what I like to do, except I do that with injuries and my quadruple A guys. Yeah, there you go. All the time. All the time. I offered two of them to you today, Trent. And yep. actually, and I'd make the argument that um, I don't know. I don't always shop quadruple A guys. Sometimes I shop actual MLB guys that I have down there in double A. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not often, but sometimes. 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 Um, that probably does it for most of the big trades. Am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. Uh, unless there's any super seasons you guys want to talk about. Noyola is on an unbelievable pace. Uh, looks like Silky's going to win. Player of the year again. So uh, I... I'll, I'll take a moment out. to touch on just center field in the West. The the three big names. You got the two big names that everyone knows, Noyola and Trujillo. Uh, Noyola has a 380 batting average, uh, OPS of 1130, and 5.7 WAR. He's currently on pace to break the single season WAR record. Want to throw right. that out there? Question for you: Does he get to 10 
Ten war. I think he gets to ten, yes. I think at the minimum he has nine point two. He has, an, I, he has an OPS over 1050. I think the slugging may slip under 700, and the batting average may slip under 370. It may slip under 700 slugging. He's at 708 right now. That's a huge number, dude. You're right, it is, and that is also currently uh, a, that would be that is a would be record. Really, I thought Lupe's season yeah. was 704. Yeah, I don't think he'll replicate the Lupe. Uh, the Lupe year. I don't like him going over 10 war. I like him hitting about 339 by the end of the year. So you think his batting average gets, you think he bats what, 280 over the second half? 300? Yeah, something like that. He'll this, come back this, this is a career 320 hitter. Yep. Yep. I'm standing by it. Okay. Um, it looks like the, Said the over-under of seven war on Trujillo is going to be way under, as he's already at four and a half. He Obviously. has an OPS of 1045, which is incredible, an on-base percentage of 420, a slugging percentage of 625, and is on pace for another 40-40 season. Man. Good for him. It's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. But I want to remind you guys, you chumps in the West have already played all the shitty teams. No. That's hey, I still, I still get, I still get, uh, I still get the bottom of the Pacific, uh, six more times each. I gotta play San Diego six more times. I gotta That's play true. Arizona six more times. In, in Austin Paddock, who I also want to touch on for a second, who could very well be having the worst season ever as a pitcher. It's incredible how many home runs he gives up. <laughs> I mean, he's like four and a half for nine innings. It's he gave wild. up five home runs in this last start. Man, he has not had a start team. yet this season. Without giving up a home run. Yeah, it was fun playing uh, against him, teeing off on him. Had a great time. His ERA has be, has ballooned to nine nine three. Yeah, maybe we should get these twenty five movement schlups. Get him off your team, or just get him out of you know a hitter's park. I don't think he's playable anywhere, but fuck, certainly not at Chase Field. I mean, like Cobby's uh, had a decent year in Montreal. An ERA of 4.97, an ERA plus of 98. I mean, that's not good. Comparatively, I mean. Comparatively, but it still sucks. Uh, yeah, Get it's these not, 25 it's not good. movement guys off your team. It's not good. Um, but yeah, we yeah, should get a potential. We've already talked about Dave Carter being shitty. Maybe 25 movement's bad. Maybe you shouldn't <laughs> have those guys. <laughs> Who knew? Um, and then the last center fielder in the West I want to talk about is Jose Galvez. Gonna win rookie of the year. I think that's a given at this point. He is hey, third one MVP. smart person predicted that in the uh, preseason podcast. That's all I'll say. I was wrong. I picked another Mariner, but not him. Uh, uh, I, I don't yeah. think he's a lock, though. I, let's, I think uh, he's going to progress who else big time. In, who else? Okay, then who else in the West would, would win it? Um, I don't know. Uh, I still I mean, think the guy is, I picked, Leo Rincon, could turn it on. He is too war clear of everyone else. Halverson's playing pretty well in Houston. Boy, I looked at that the other day. Halverson's playing really well. It's all defense, though. Still not hitting real well. Yeah, Galvez, Galvez is, is not that too war clear of everyone else. You've got Kevin Marr is the only player with an OPS higher, and Marr is a bona fide net zero, barely net negative in the field. Mind you, Jose Galvez is putting up gold glove numbers, if not for someone named Trujillo. But he also has a bad hip of about 390. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if he finished the year hitting about 295. That's still going to get him six war, seven yep. war. It is probably and, good enough, but man, he will come back to earth. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I doubt, I doubt this, this year stays up for any of them. I, I bet that Noyola finishes short of 11, 10 war. Trujillo is probably going to finish right at that nine war mark, and Galvez is probably going to finish right at that, uh, seven war mark. Yeah, I predict regression for Noyola, but I especially predict regression for Galvez. So um, if you had to if you had to guess who's going to have who's going to finish with more war by the end of the year, Noel or Trujillo? Um, I would I would probably take Trujillo, honestly. I think I'll take Noel, but I'll take the under on the ten. Okay. Yeah, he's got such a big lead; it's hard to say not Noel. And there's no way he's hitting 380. By the way, that is yeah. the biggest number that's going to come down. I think he's got a better chance to slug over 700 than he does to hit 375, 380. Trent, you could hit 375 if you just hit a ground ball. It got thrown to Eric Donnelly. You would be yes. no problem. That's <laughs> and all I get Noyola to do does. That, and I get to do that six more times. Yeah, fuck. Please get him a new first baseman by the time the Angels come to town. Um, we'll so ship him one. we got two more things we want to talk about here. First, favorite prospects from the draft. I don't believe any of them have been traded yet, at least any of the top ones. A um, couple of those fringe guys may have been traded, but – so far from this uh, from this draft, we got the number four prospect Muller, number eight prospect Heineman, uh, the number sixteen prospect well, uh, Walter, the number twenty prospect Aaron Berg. That's all on the pitching side. On the hitting side, no one really there at the top. Um, still a couple solid guys, um, but no one no one in the top fifty. Um, climbing up from the bottom, you have Jared Pearl. At number 91, John Taylor at number 85, uh, my guy who made short A his, his little whipping boy yesterday. Um, 1.2 war through 14 games. Um, but that's about it. So it, it was, uh, it was a very pitching heavy draft. Which was fun, man. We had never had that, um, ever. Just all pitchers. Especially at the top. Um, yeah, it was, it made a, a fun draft. I really like this draft. Um, I don't know if it's the most talented draft we ever had. Seems whatever, but it was nice to just get a resurgence of young pitching. I think it's I think it's fun. I sort of like the guy Chicago got pitching too, Williams. Um, I think he's good. My scout likes him a lot. Um, yeah, I mean I uh, need to fall on my sword a little bit here. My uh, uh, draft uh, was uh, pretty good in the first round. Uh, after all the top pitchers were taken, I realized I wasn't going to have to doubt my. Uh, there is no such thing as a pitching prospect self and try to draft a pitcher in the first. Um, and so I had two top hitters, uh, and one of them was a left-handed hitting, bad platoon rated, uh, good defending, uh, outfielder, a corner outfielder. Uh, and the other one was a, a slick fielding right-handed hitter, not quite as good a hitter as the outfielder, but a shortstop. And, uh, I went with the outfielder, which was probably the wrong move, but he'll be alright. Okay, uh, a guy in uh, low or a guy in low A ball or not low A ball, but in uh, full season A ball now in Augusta, uh, whose uh, name is Tommy Lozano, uh, and he'll be all right. I like him a lot as a prospect, but but uh, I came really close to getting both guys, and I did not have a second pick in the first round, and the only reason I did not was because I traded my second round pick to Cincinnati in exchange for his second round pick. And if I would have not made that trade, I would have gotten both of my top two hitters 
in the draft. The only reason I did not is because I traded that stupid pick. So a shout-out to Cincinnati and JP in Baltimore, who got the guy that I wanted, the slick fielding shortstop prospect. Uh, I'll try to look him up quick. John uh, John Reppel. Ray Apol, yeah. And uh, I like this kid a lot. And uh, I don't know where he rates in uh, uh, Baltimore's awesome system. Not on the front page here, but but uh, but yeah, no, I would have I, if I would not have done that. I would have gotten both guys in my uh, scouts uh, top two. Yeah, you were, you were originally at 12. You dropped to 17. Um, Rebel at, like, went at 14. At 14, yep. And then I traded up to you at 17, uh, took my guy, Kyle Bowles, who's a top 100 guy. And after that, I got a message from none other than Casey and Matt saying, damn it, you took my guy. Right. And as part of that deal, I got your fifth round 30th overall pick and took a guy by the name of Davis. I think his name is John Davis, Chuck. Davis or something like that, also in Augusta. And uh, I got a message from our own D-Rich saying, my God, you took my guy. He picked right after me. Joel Funny Davis. The way that works. Joel Davis. Yeah. So I took at 530 the guy Atlanta was going to take at 531. So, it's fun the way it, when it works that way. Like yep. Kyle Bowles, uh, that's the guy I was debating about taking the first round, and he fell all the way to the end of the second. But the story of the draft is the top ten – it's the five pitchers, yep. Berg, Ask, Heineman, Adams, and Williams. The guy we talked earlier, earlier I was going to say John Muller. Yeah. I don't know who Williams is. Justin but. Williams. Isn't that the guy that uh, – Justin Adams. Asked, Adams, I'm sorry, yeah. Adams, Justin Adams, the guy that Chicago got. I, th- I sort of like this kid. My scout likes him. And yeah. short A ball has not been nice to him. 707 ERA through 14 innings. Yeah, you know, 14 innings. Probably shouldn't be in low A. That's about it. Ted Heineman got hurt, so I don't know. I'd rather have a 7 ERA and be on the field. So. so you've got those four pitchers in the top six. You've got Muller, Adams, Heineman, Aspberg. How would you rank – who are your top three? Who are your, yeah, who are your top three from those five? Uh, I said it uh, before the draft. Terminator Ted would have been my guy at number one. I think he's just a low – super high floor. I don't know if he's going to be Justin Muller. John Muller, you know, superstar guy. But Heinemann's, uh, unless these injuries turn out killing him, I think he's just guaranteed to be rock solid, be a number two starter. And if you can take that even in the top five, you just do it. So he's my favorite. The rest of them I honestly don't really care for that much. Uh, not very into Berg. Looks like another no-change-up pitcher. I saw Heinemann and then a big tier below. I sort of like Adams. Um, uh, my scout doesn't like Ted, uh, Terminator Ted, um, but uh, uh, but uh, OSA likes him. And I don't know what to make of Mueller. I think it's a really bad sign that Terminator Ted got hurt in his first start professionally. That that can't be good. Oh yeah. Uh, and that worries me a lot. Um, and it's not just a dinged, you know, day to day injury either. He he blew out his elbow. I mean, so that is not a good sign. Um, and that always worries me. So uh, we've got to watch that closely. Uh, but I didn't hate or really love any of these other guys. Like, I don't hate this Berg guy, but I don't love him. I think OSA actually does a pretty good job ranking him. You saw that Muller, who's clearly the highest upside guy, he's the highest rated guy on the top 100 list, followed by Heineman. And then there's a bit of a drop-off. Asp is quite a bit down the list. 
I don't see the Berg. Berg really shocked me as being the number one pick, considering you look at his pitches and it, that changeup sticks out to me like a sore thumb. Uh, I would not want that guy. Are you optimistic about Aaron Berg? I'm optimistic. He's he's 20 years old, and the changeup's already up to a 35. That gives me some hope. Um, regardless, I think he still would have been probably four on my list. It just had Adams, or probably three ahead of Heineman and Adams. I'm a gambler, and I want every single stock in John Miller I can take. Yeah, I, I can't blame you there. Um, I'm not very optimistic about him, but geez, I'd love to have him in my system because that's that's we've never seen a lottery ticket quite like him. Ever. No, like everyone talks about, oh, my scout sees this lottery ticket. This is the lottery ticket of lottery tickets. I don't care about the personality. I don't care that he's got the low work ethic. I don't care that he's got the low loyalty. He's got that high intelligence. He's got the 80, 70, 75 potentials. Give me every single stock you have in John Mueller. Yeah. Did your uh, scout give him a negative a negative dev report in June? Uh, no, it gave him a positive Interesting. Uh, actually, it was a it was a mixed uh, plus movement minus control. He got just a straight thumbs down from me. No benefits. So. I still got him at sixty fifty five seventy. That's pretty impressive. Um, my, my scout's never been a yeah. fan. Didn't like him. him I probably didn't like him ask. in the draft. Doesn't like him after it. Yeah. I, I, I'm on the asp uh, asp train. I like the fact that he's an extreme ground ball, extreme ground ball guy. Um, I think that Especially bodes well for the York. movement in the yeah. future. Um, so I think the the movement is going to probably end up being closer to 65 than 60, which is where OSA has its potential at. Yeah, that's the um, one area where my scout thinks he's better than OSA is the movement. I do yeah, think that I, will come in. And I could definitely see that he's got four plus pitches, so he doesn't uh, no changeup in there either. He's a he's a 96 98 sinker guy. Um, control needs to come in, but I trust the stuff. He's, I think he's the second best pitcher in this class behind Muller. I could totally buy that. Uh, I'm a sucker for sinker ballers too. So he would be, he would have been ranked three for me. Aaron Berg way down the list. Adams further down the list. It really, as good as Asp looks, it's the safety of Heineman versus the incredibly high upset of Muller. And I'll take I the like, safety. I like on Asp the uh, personality. It's like the opposite of Muller. Everything's mm-hmm. good. He's got the high adaptability, high work ethic, high intelligence. And uh, I think Berto would uh, be mad at us if we didn't mention that Mason Morgan crawled up these leaderboards a little bit too. That's OSA true. has him 30-70. Yep. That's really nice. But yeah, uh, like- Rich, do you know what Mason Morgan is? He is a right-handed side armor. <laughs> so get ready for some juicy ratings and – about a thousand ERA. I mean, yeah. The biggest thing is that if you look at OSA's current, 55 moving against righties, 40 against lefties. Yeah, I'm actually gonna jump in and say I, I do like Mason Morgan. He would definitely crack my top five. I take him over Moeller right now if he was offered to me. I actually, yeah, I'm kind of blown away that I do like OSA's ratings of these five or six pitchers. Moeller's number one by OSA, but whatever. Blah blah blah. The rest of it. Looks pretty good to me. Well, I don't think it's a surprise, given what OSA has on Mueller, that he's rated as highly, right? No, no, yeah. not a shock at all. No, that's not a surprise. So, I mean, the OSA considers Mueller the greatest pitcher in Sky history if right. he reaches full potential. It's a big if. 
big if. But that is a juicy, juicy if. He's yeah, just a baby, too. He's only 18 years old. Man, I'm getting so sad just thinking of Terminator, Ted. You know it makes me sad thing about John Mueller? That he's in San Diego. Hey. He'll be traded to L.A. someday soon. Don't worry. You know what? At least that's actually probably a, a – this was, by the way, I think an auto pick. Is that correct? It was. Yeah. Jesus. Um, Did pretty well, the auto pick. Good I job, auto pick. Could you imagine who we would have picked otherwise? Ugh. I, I hate even thinking about it. So considering how shitty San Diego is and how they're probably going to be shitty until John Mueller grows up and has a family, <laughs> it's kind of a it's kind of a good, pit, good fit. I don't know. Yeah. No, let's storm in San Diego and see how they do. Yeah, enjoy the weather, John. Yeah. Right now he's in the Arizona League. He'll be fine. But He'll that is – that, that that's the story of the draft. Um, Jared Pearl, the Colorado guy, uh, actually really liked this kid. Um, he cracked the top 100 list, and if you do that without any speed and any defense, that probably means you're a hitter. I know he was pretty feast down on the list quite a bit, but it reminds me a little bit of Tyler Olson. The previous number one overall pick from two years ago. Okay, yeah. Yeah, if you can crack the list with no defense and speed, you're doing okay. You're probably a good hitter. So I think Pearl will work out. And another hitter I like uh, is a guy named Sam Turton. He was a top ten pick, went to Vegas. He's my favorite hitter in the drafts, and he's already off to a red-hot start at rookie ball. But we shouldn't read too far into these 50th flight appearances in the minors. But No, we should not. It's a good sign. I like Turton a lot. Uh, probably would have been my second pick in the draft after Terminator Ted. I mean, yeah, I, I like Turton a lot. He's he's a right-handed power hitter. He profiles as a right-handed power hitter, which which, which we don't see a lot of, and it looks like he's going to be playable in left or right field. He's got that beautiful lady arm, 55 range. He's got upside. Yeah, and my, my scout not only loves him as a hitter, but he's even higher on him defensively than OSA, which is pretty incredible considering he's a 6'6 guy, and I'm being told that he can play center field. But that's not going to happen, so whatever. But, hey, the fact that he's right-handed and it's going to give you a good D in the corners, very optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I thought that – I always think – I thought Chicago drafted well. This is the this is the uh, White Sox, not the Cubs. The Cubs thought they drafted well, but the uh, White – I thought the – I thought Zach drafted well. Uh, I was sort of disappointed with Arizona. They had so many picks, and uh, not a soul really cracks their top five prospects that they got in this draft. I mean, you know, I didn't even notice that. That's, that's a not player. a good sign. You've I really guys. thought Matt Barton was going to rate highly on the top 100. I think he had a big demand. OSA loved him. Uh, surprised that he barely cracked the top 10 in their system. I sort of like that pick, but but but. Other than that, I mean, I'm sort of disappointed. I mean, and I Matt like Barton, Matt Barton, but... He, he looks like a first baseman to me. I don't think he can stick at, at second base. Yeah, you, you might, you're probably right up there. But oh. right-handed, great hitter. He's I like him too. He, uh, yeah, he had that signing bonus of $1.7 I really thought the draft fell off after the top 10. I know uh, we all probably like our first-round picks. I'm happy with mine, but I noticed a big talent drop-off. After those pitchers were off the board... And Pearl and Turton and Barton got picked. Huge drop off. So Trent, I think, uh, I guess no secret, I don't love Tommy Lozano, but mm. I don't blame you because it just looks like there's a huge talent drop off. Well, right, yeah. I mean, you got to take your pick, right? You can't, you can't trade them. 
right? Um, so you got to do something. So you might as well take your guy. Right? Yeah. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it works out. So I Trent, got, I was told that you have a, a little game for us to play. Yeah, no, we're going to play a game I call "Which Is Bigger." This is a game. Uh, as, as lots of folks know, I'm a college professor. This is a, a test question on every exam I give, where I give you three quantities, and the students have to pick the biggest and the smallest, and then by exclusion, the one in the middle. Ooh, do we get grades? Yeah, well, you can. I and will. So we'll Love we'll that. rotate. There are five of these. I'm going to give you three teams. And as of this moment, the exact midpoint of the 2011 Skyline season, the three teams I will give you have identical records. Your goal is to tell me which is bigger, the wins at the end of the year for those teams, and which is the smallest wins at the end of the year for those three teams. And then, of course, by exclusion, which one's in the middle. Everybody with me? I'm with you. All right. We're going to start. D. Rich, you go first. Here's right. your first set of three teams. These teams have the same record right now. The Cleveland Indians, the Minnesota Twins, and the Cincinnati Reds. Ooh. Who's got the most wins and the least wins at the end of the year? Those are – this is uh, – I I think you are going to give a little softball to Jake next because this one's fucking hard. Uh, we talked before the season about Cleveland and Minnesota. That's what I like about this. Yeah. They're tied at midseason. They have the I know. Same isn't that record. great? And do you know that I was the only one on the Cleveland bandwagon? You guys loved Minnesota, and so I'm going to stick to my I guns. I was all over the Cleveland bandwagon. What are you talking about? I had them in the playoffs. I don't know about that. I did. I had them as the three seed. I might have to check the tape on that one. Okay. But I had Montreal I missing, by the way, but that's not going to happen. I digress. I'll look that up. I'm curious. I could have sworn I was the only one on the Indian train. But I'm going to say, without a doubt, Minnesota is the worst of these three teams. Um, third team's there, the Reds. The, yeah, the third yeah. team there. I'm, I'm debating between Cleveland and Cincinnati because it could go either way. It's hard when they're in different divisions. Exactly. But I'm – man, maybe I don't – I won't get an A on this exam. I will say I'm going to stick to my guns and say Cleveland has the most wins, followed by the Reds, and in the rear, Sly is going to win the least. Jake. You're up. Go. Uh, I think I'm, I'm with Deers there with, with Cleveland at one. I think just because I'm, I'm looking at my old friend Pythagorean record um, on this one and run differential. Cincinnati has a run differential five worse than Minnesota. Minnesota's playing in a weaker division. Minnesota gets to play the Yankees six more times, the Red Sox six more times. And I believe they're playing the Central right now. They are. Um and they still have the Pacific up. They still get San Diego three times. They still get Arizona. For that reason, I'm going to go Minnesota ahead of Cincinnati. All right, Jake, wow. you go first on the next one. All three of these teams have the same record right now. The Las Vegas Knights, the Virginia Black Bears, and the Detroit Tigers. Jake, you're up. Go. Uh, where are the Tampa Bay Rays in that, in that group? No. It's the Virginia Black Bears. <laughs> The Las Vegas Knights. That <laughs> sounded hard for you to say. It looked like it broke your broke your heart a little bit. Uh, I and the Detroit Tigers. So, By the way, does it bother anybody else that the Tigers are in playoff spots, and neither of those other teams will come close to sniffing a playoff spot? It really bothers me. Just thought I'd throw that out. He's there. only three back, mind you. I think they're going to fall off more. Um, 
Las Vegas has the has the positive run differential, but the kicker is they don't have management are, right now. They're a rudderless ship. Yep. Um, I think they're in good shape right now, but I think it all ties back to the Tigers are in the north. They it's the Mets and the Expos there, and and they've done well. Um, they're looking rough lately, but I'm gonna go Detroit with the most. Virginia with the least, and that puts Las Vegas there right smack dab in the middle. D. Rich. I think that's definitely the safe call. Um, I'm going to mix it up, though. I'm going to have faith in our rudderless ship over there in Las Vegas. I like their odds over Detroit's. Detroit thing, I think they're overperforming a little bit right now. Um, and Virginia just, man, they, they gutted their pitching staff. So i got to say, Virginia's going to be dead last. And Knights one, Tigers two. Very tough this, though. These are good questions. Now we we're we're going to. There are five of these. This is the third one. D. Rich, you go first this time. All three of these teams have the same record right now: the Toronto Blue Jays, the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Washington Nationals. Oh boy. Um, the Nationals clearly have to be the worst team of this bunch. Which is crazy that we'd even be having this conversation. This, this is the all surprise trio. Because I mean, that's Toronto. that's Toronto in the same sentence as Washington, right? And Milwaukee. And Milwaukee. It's the all surprise, two sad and one happy surprise, <laughs> right? Like, wow, yeah, that's that's about the biggest shock ever. Halfway that menace the Milwaukee and Washington have the same record. That's wild. Um, I did say earlier, I think Milwaukee's going to make the playoffs. Sticking to that. I think they will have the best record of these three. Toronto, I, again, think they're going to make the playoffs, but are not going to go on the tear that Milwaukee does. So, so uh, that's what I was going to say, but I got to differentiate here. Uh, Toronto won just because they're in that again. They're in that crap. They're they're in that crap division. They did sell Gomez, but that, I still trust that pitching staff. Monza's going to going to pick it up. They still have a really really good offense that just has not performed of late. Um, so I say Toronto, Milwaukee, and then. Uh, our, our dear, dear friend Iggy Nacho there. Um, hopefully he can lose as many as he can this year to, to keep up that, uh, that, uh, prospect system. I gotta say, shout out to Iggy Nacho. The rebuild is going just fine in Washington. He's doing a good job. So keep it up, Iggy. Uh, Jake, you're first on this one. The Kansas City Royals, the Miami Marlins, and the Philadelphia Phillies. Mmm. All have the same record right now. So I think Kansas City is going to fall off here because um, I think the, the rest of the Central picks it up. I think Colorado picks it up here in the second half. I think Milwaukee picks it up here in the second half. Uh, it's it's a rumor, but I got a feeling that, that one of these big names in Kansas City is potentially shipped. Um, hot take. Hot take. And to make it even hotter – Philadelphia finishes a game ahead of Miami in the final week of the season. So it's Philly 1, Miami 2, KC 3. And you want to know what makes this even better? Final series of the year. September 30th to October 2nd. Miami at Philly. Oh, Oh, I just feel like I'm going to throw up. All right. (laughs) D-Rich, you're up. KC, Miami, Philly. That's fun to think about. I do think these. this is the toughest of the three. I think all these three teams will be pretty close. But I'm sticking to my guns. 
Philadelphia will have the best record of the bunch. And I think Philadelphia is actually not going to have to worry about that series. I think they'll have a nice five-game cushion over Miami, who is going to have the worst record of these three teams. Kansas City is going to finish fourth, kind of in the mix, but I'll stick with Miami having the worst record of the bunch, which is hard to say considering they just got better. And the offense is shockingly good. By the way, one thing I forgot to mention is that there is a fourth team that has the same record as Toronto, Milwaukee, and Washington. It is the St. Louis Cardinals, but we already talked about that. So uh, then the last one, D. Rich, you go first. The New York Mets, the Chicago Cubs, and the Atlanta Braves. There's uh, Before you start that, there is one other team with that record. I know, the Seattle Mariners. All at 54 and 24. But those are, the, all for? those are the three division leaders, though. That's why I, you know, Seattle won it all. You know, yeah, congratulations, Dustin. Dustin. Whatever. But I'm these over are the three, These are the three division winners. They're both two games back of California right now for best record <laughs> in the whole sky. But I thought that was freaking awesome. Three division winners, all with the exact same record at the exact midpoint. What order are they going to finish in? D-Rich, go. Mets, Cubs, Braves. Mets, Cubs, Braves. Uh we're going to go – New York is the worst team of these three. Uh, I think that's pretty safe. And I'm actually going to say that Chicago finishes with a better record than Atlanta. Uh, I think they'll probably win 105 games. Their just, they're just schedule is easier than ours. Yeah. So I'm with uh, Dierich on on the Mets. Um, I mean you just look at the run differential. Atlanta's at plus 211. Chicago's at plus 187. And the Mets are, are great at, at plus 119, um, but it's still way behind um, Atlanta and the Cubs. Um, I'm looking here at, at the S-plus Sky Playoff odds. They have the strength of schedule remaining for the teams. Chicago has a uh, 493 strength of schedule remaining, um, one, of the, one of the lowest uh, in the league. It is the, the uh, lowest in – the Central. But you know who's got an easier strength of schedule? The Atlanta Braves. Because we have not played the Central yet. I told you, we're going to feast. <laughs> Including XSOS, which takes into account um, base runs and uh, Pythagorean records, so more um, uh, Pythagorean record expected wins as opposed to actual wins. I will say that Atlanta finishes with a better record than Chicago, and to go a step further... I will say that Seattle finishes with a better record of all of them and still has to play in the wild card round. Wow. Do you really think that Pacific's just that fucking terrible? Is that what it is? I mean, uh, playing the Padres I, again, six this times is, just that good. This is also something I like to lean back on on interleague on. I've I've gone through the first round of uh, tallying records, tallying how everyone did against against the first group. I haven't. Uh, I'll go through the second group once that finishes. But three um, – trying to get the correct number here. There were four teams in the north that finished with single-digit wins, including the Yankees at five. The the Atlantic had two. The Central had two. The Pacific had three. Arizona with seven wins, the third worst, and San Diego with six wins, the second worst. And and I like to use that as a as a barometer compared to how they are against the rest of the league. The North had 
four teams. Wow. Um, yeah, they, they were not good against the Atlantic. 89 and 103 as a group. Uh, New York with five wins. Minnesota and Boston both with eight. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. You know what? The more you talk about my schedule, the more I'm getting excited. Because I have San Diego. I have Oakland. I have the shitty Pacific. And then I get to go to the Central. So I'm pretty optimistic. Um, but one but. of those Central teams that did have fewer than 10 wins was Milwaukee. So if we expect that rebound, that this, mm. this Central maybe isn't all that bad that we think it is. Mind you, they were also playing the Pacific. So maybe that helps those numbers. In any event, so now we have effectively predicted the, uh, you know, that the, any of those division leaders get threatened at all, gentlemen. Uh, I don't see it happening. Um, I think the obvious one is Pittsburgh and Seattle. Both always are going to have a shot. Right. I mean, Seattle's, Seattle's only two games back. Exactly. Yeah. They're two games back, so I would say Seattle's the most likely to win. But even then, I don't like any of those four teams' odds. I kind of yeah. think we have our four teams right now, um, especially since we, you were talking about run differential er, earlier. There's huge, a clear, clear best team in almost every division. And granted, California padded their run differential by playing Texas and scoring 1,000 runs. I think it was like 1,003 now that we're looking yeah. at it. Yeah. So I think California stats are a little inflated, which minds, which is why I leaned towards Seattle. Just so many blowout wins can shift those numbers. Regardless, sure. Seattle played Texas as well, and we still have that run differential of, of about 70 more runs. Yeah, and they did score a ton of runs against Texas, too. One could very easily argue there's a clear number two team in every division, right? Like, you know. Yeah, I would say, actually, that's even a better argument, that uh, right? Montreal, Houston, Seattle, and Pittsburgh are head and shoulders above the third place team. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a, there. I think there are clear tiers right now. I think there's a, there's a tier one. Uh, California, Atlanta, New York, Chicago. I think Seattle's probably one B, two A. I don't a. think I'd put New York in that conversation. So would you put California, Atlanta, Chicago in one? Seattle Mets one B, two A, whatever the, whatever, however you want to say that, and then Pittsburgh, Montreal, Houston. And then it's this huge tier of Kansas City, Colorado, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Miami, Philadelphia, Toronto even. Yeah, I think the best teams in this league are about as dominant as they ever have been. Uh, I think that's a, another reason why the ERA is spiking is because our parity of our league is – we don't have that much of it. We have a 19-win team halfway through the year. That's a little abnormal. Yeah, we've so got the good teams are just kicking the shit out of the bad teams. It's an interesting point. Maybe more runs are scored when that happens. Yeah, I mean, I would. It'd be interesting to look at the ERA if you take out like the big outlier games, like right. the twenty-five run Angel games. Right. Probably comes back to earth quite a bit. Well, like in one of those games against Texas, we did give up sixteen runs. That's got to be a season high, dear lord. 23 to 16, 40, 39 runs were scored in that game. Yeah, you're probably just pitching your uh, your worst guys who can just eat innings to finish that game. That Jeremy was, Reese pitched an inning. That, that was game, Totten, yeah. Cadena, Galindo, and Castellanos. Totten gave up six runs, only one earned. Yeah, oh, a little fluky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 39 combined runs, 40 combined hits, three errors, and there were also... 14 walks issued. Yeah, so I would say that that is 
that's my new answer to our question of why the ERA is spiking, why offense is soaring. It's because the bad teams are really bad. And until okay. San Diego, New York, and Texas, and Baltimore start competing to the point where they can actually win games. I mean, remember last year uh, in the in real life in the major leagues, Baltimore uh, won less than a third of their games, and that was crazy because that never happens to win less than a third of your games. And we've San Diego's teams. winning yeah. less than a quarter of their games. I mean, it's historically bad for any league ever. And so being able to pad your stats against that team day in and day out, I think that's what's skewing the league more than anything else. Certainly an interesting theory. wonder if there's data on that from baseball seasons past. You know what I mean? So you could look it up in baseball reference or, you know, one of those outfits. Yeah. Be an interesting question. Well, I'm excited to talk about my run differential tomorrow after I score 60 runs against San Diego. Who wants to bet that San Diego wins two or three against Atlanta? I will not take that bet. Neither will I. Do you think? Do you, so. Looking at, it I'll give San Diego. Like, I'll give San Diego one of those games. They'll scrape out a win. I have my. I have some nasty pitchers who are not good. Nasty in a bad way. I've got Tyler Trim going. Who again? OSA darling, fantastic pitcher. Um, is he an got, OSA darling, or is he just a darling in general? He's your he's got that. He's got a beautiful mustache. I do like he that does. mustache. He fits in well. We have some of the greatest facial hair. Um, and congrats on Pat That's why Cavetti. Wedgwood needed to be a brave. He had that funky mustache. And he congrats fit in great when we had him. Runs to Pat Covelli. God bless him. It was fun. We actually had Covelli and Casahara hit 300 within a couple days of each other. Casahara did that against the Angels, actually. Does any? I don't think either of them gets to 400, but we'll see. Covelli's got an outside shot. He's still national. He's hitting 350. So we'll see. My, ho- my Hall of Fame dreams still are. Still, I'm optimistic he's going to get it together and make the Hall of Fame. Well, I, I sure think I love the guy. I think he's. I don't know. I'm. The the longer he keeps going, the more of a borderline lock he becomes. Isn't his career OPS still like over 900? He's incredible. It is. Uh, it career is. OPS of 907. Yeah, that's that's nobody does that. I mean, yeah, it's, he's pretty remarkable. I just know that we look at war, and for first baseman, it can be a little tricky. Yeah, that's because really you have to mash the ball. That's because of defense, right? You don't get any defense points for war at uh, first base. Just everyone can hit, and you're being compared to your peers. You know, if there were 29 more Eric Donnellys, I'm sure Pat would have a dozen war, but yeah. it's not the case. Do you guys know who the career leader in OPS is? It's not it's Josh still Franklin. Lupe. Still Lupe? Nope, he's third. Ooh. Is it Ott? It is not Oz. Ott is 15th. I was going to guess Van Santen, but I know that's so not correct. So of the top 11, there are two in the Hall of Fame, one retired, not in the Hall of Fame, and eight active guys. Excuse me, seven active guys. Well, Van Santen's one eight, of them. No, it is eight. I can't count. Van Santen is not one of them. He is 16th, one of 16 oh. players with an OPS over 900. Well, let's see. Uh, we know that... Uh... The Villegas is up there. Villegas number three at 928. And Covelli's up there. Covelli's 11th at 907. Um, Ott is on the list. It's got to be someone who barely hits the threshold for plate appearances. Uh, among those who barely guy. hit the threshold, you have Luis Noyola, 910 OPS in 10th. Juan Moreno with a 914th OPS in 8th. Mike Gomez with a 926 OPS in 5th. Got to be Castillo. 
It is Juan Castillo with a 977 OPS. Wow. 43 points higher than Josh Franklin, which is the same difference between Josh Franklin at number two and Jay Rigby at 22. Yeah, I would expect a lot of those guys to fall off with age, but it's pretty fun what a lead Castillo has at the moment. Granted, he just passed 300 plate appearances. 3,000. 3,000, yeah. Yeah, he reached Uh, that earlier this year. Yeah, Scarf and Gomez are the only ones who look like they have staying power on that list, considering they just have been around a little longer. Well, and Cavalli, I mean, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, so, but he's quite a bit down there. Lupe will probably retire towards the top, but no offense, yeah, I, I think, think Doyle and Castillo will find their way out of the top ten sooner rather than later. I think, I think if Lupe, Lupe's now got a chance at the Hall of Fame. If he keeps that career OPS above 900, boy, that that's tough to deny. I think he's always had a chance, and it looks like he's going to get to 400 bombs, which yep. is. Pretty nice milestone. I mean, he's yep. 1.2 war away from 50. He's at 48.8. That's kind of the break point. If you get to 50, you should feel good. Um, and he's got the accolades. He's got the Hitter of the Year award. He he has yep. the best hitting season in Sky history. Uh, that That's fair to say that. 2006 season in Texas is the best season in Sky history, purely in terms of hitting. Right. Yeah, and I, I love voting for guys with great peaks for these things. I don't care about longevity as much. It is fun, though. Him and Covelli actually have interesting careers side by side. They're almost the exact same war. They're the same age. Yep. They've been around about the same de- length of time. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if both guys make it or neither guys makes it. So, Hopefully both. So last thing before uh, before we call it a day. We made our preseason predictions. We're halfway through the year. Any of you guys wavering on your Skyline Cup Series predictions? Well, since I picked the Blue Jays, I'm worried. So, Yeah. <laughs> I think I had Atlanta and Chicago, and I feel good about that as well. Uh, Chicago looks like they're going to have an easy road out of the Central. I like Atlanta still, of course. Number one pitching, number one defense. Number one hitting, which is yeah. scary. Yeah, pretty, um, pretty juicy. I, I had Cali over Atlanta in seven. In seven. Um, I still like that. Yeah, California is really the only team that who was a contender that changed their team drastically. And they're better. I don't know by how much. I don't know if it's enough to make them a surefire. I'm going to be shocked if they lose a series. but If you look at the, the batting stats and the pitching the defensive stats and via team stats, they don't rank below fourth in anything, whether that's BABIP, home runs allowed, runs scored, whatever. They don't below they don't rank below, rank below fourth in anything besides walks, which they're 15th in. Yikes, what um, happened to you? Uh, we went after guys like Jorge Rivera who have a walk rate of two and a half. Jeez. That'll be interesting. Cause we always talk about, uh, Madrigalis and Boren having more steals than strikeouts. Rivera's about to have more, could have more steals than, than walks this year. That'd be exciting. Yeah. I mean, he's Boy, that's on, tough to do. He's on pace for six stolen bases and seven walks. Or, yeah, that's what he's got right now. He's on pace for 12 stolen bases and 14 walks. Yeah, it's going to be tight. To go along with those 38 home runs, 40 doubles, and 10 triples. If he gets there, let's slow our roll. Certainly having a nice year. I was, uh, I was noticing he is ranked really high on, uh, player rankings. He, he's, he's come close to the top 20 a couple times. I think he's probably right there at like 22 or 23. He's the, currently the f- uh, number one second baseman in baseball. Yeah. Do you buy that? Is, I do. is Rivera the, sec- the best second baseman in baseball, T. Rich? I know Jake thinks he is. 
he's certainly in the conversation, and I'm I'm not going to get in an argument over it. Uh, I'd have to think quite a bit about it. Sort of surprised me, but he's always been my favorite of that young Angels crew. But second base feels just a shallow position right now. I mean, I'd say the only the yeah, only have... real quote competition that I think you'd have is is Eric is Eddie Don is Eddie Dolly. Yeah, and Dolly's hurt, and Tim Fleming made the switch. Not playing second base anymore. Uh, he is. He's playing second base in Cincinnati. Oh well, I guess he's just been such a non-factor due to injury, and he really shouldn't be playing second anyway. They're just not any great true second baseman. Um, Chris Robbins was always one of those guys, but even him, he's already his his ratings have plummeted. He's not even a top fifteen second baseman by OSA. It just surprised me. I mean, this guy was a rookie last year. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a lot of argument with it either. I think a healthy Dolly, I would take over a healthy Rivera, although it's close. I mean, what, I think the the best thing that Rivera has going for him is that he's a switch hitter and hits both sides perfectly. Yeah, I. I, I you I look at the splits and and the ratings don't waver. Yeah, I would give Do- I would give Rivera the edge there. Honestly, I'd probably give Dolly the edge, considering that Rivera is actually three years older than Dolly. Which is wild to think about. Actually, Dolly, yeah, well. Two, uh, so young. two years and a couple months. Yeah, he debuted at 20 and just hit the cover off the ball as a 20-year-old. Yeah, see, that's incredible. I mean, neither one of them are neither one of them are going to walk much. I mean, they both had 27 walks last year, Rivera and Dolly. Um, they're they're very they have very very similar profiles. Yeah, I'll take uh, Rivera. I think he's just better across the board. But he's only done it for a year. Dolly's done it for four, so mm-hmm. I certainly get the argument either way. I but mean, it's a shame. We, we just don't have that many great second basemen anymore. I'm looking at my team, and Galdemez is currently playing second for me because Boren is hurt. Right. And Galdemez is rated the, a top five second baseman. He's playing out of position, and there's just not five great ones out there. Boy, that's weird. Hmm. If you, let's say that you took defense into effect. Um, Jeremy Reese has that 40 range. Where, where would he rank among second basemen? I mean, you can certainly check if you want to just switch his position over. Because he's currently the number one first baseman. Right. Which is surprising. Um, switching him over to second base, it, yeah. Or, uh, you can move Rivera as well. Uh, Jeremy Reese, number three. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that just because there's, no, there's just no one there. Uh, it's interesting that he's a top, he's number one first baseman. I'm very surprised by that. I mean, he's got – he has three and a half war this year. Yeah, sneaky. He, he's in I – like, I like batting him in leadoff. Yeah, it's the it's the feng shui leadoff hitter. It's sort of weird, but it works. So, and and he likes batting leadoff too. A twelve thirty six OPS when batting leadoff. Holy crap! Yeah, and he might score about one hundred and forty runs doing it too, which is going to be fun. Yeah. Is, is there anything else you guys want to touch on during our mid season special? I don't. I, I don't think, think so. I loved our game. Loved yeah. the Loved the draft talk. I think we uh, I think we nailed it. Yeah, liked so, it lots. Yeah, we're, we're halfway through the year. We have exactly, I think, right? Exactly. Yeah, it, we're yep. seventy-eight games in. Seventy-eight we have, games in. Uh, uh, another month and a half of interleague, and then our final two months of uh, divisional baseball. I can't wait. Padres Central. And Baltimore Orioles. We're going to have a field day. <laughs> Any bold predictions before we get off? 
Uh, I say that we have a hundred. I think that we have a hundred and two win team in the wild card, uh, just because of how dominant the West is, or the Pacific is. The Pacific's dominance. Well, at least well, California mean, and Seattle. Yeah. I'm well, not very optimistic about Seattle. I don't think they're going to be able to score that many runs down the stretch. Do you, I'm think, they crack, do you think they crack 100 wins? No. I would take uh, – I don't think they crack 95 wins. I oh, mean, I'll take the over on 95. I might take the I, under I on 100. Care, I don't care but, if they can't score runs. They can prevent teams from scoring runs. That's what matters. Yeah. I'll take the under on the 100 wins, but I'll take the over on the 95. It'll be somewhere in there. Here's a question. The top four teams that now lead the divisions, everybody thinks they're above the rest. It's never been the final four in the sky in the human era. Does it happen this year? It's hard to say no, uh, but it, it's hard to never say happens. Yes. It's, hard it's hard to, to say, say yes. yes. So I would say no, and I guess I would have to point a finger towards uh, Montreal if I had to. Think that they get it over get over the Mets in that series yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah some of I Mets think if, if there's a year it happens, this is the year. Well, hey, they made the the Skyline Championship Series yet last year. They did, but I believe they're also the uh, were they not the one seed? They were uh, the they one were. seed last yeah, year. Yeah, they were. Right. Well, uh, yeah, they, they did win a less series. The only one seed that didn't make it last year was California. Other than that, the one seeds won. We went to seven games. Yep. So I think if there's a year that all the one seeds go, it's this year. It could be, as we said. The, t- the good teams just feel so dominant this year. I mean, a couple of teams already have run differentials over 200. Yeah. So, so to yeah. imagine a run differential over 400 is just wild to think about. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. with our Pythagorean, we're on a pace for 114 wins. It's pretty wild to think about. Granted, I don't think it'll happen, but right. the fact that that's even an option just seems That's wrong. a good question. What's the over-under on wins for the Braves? If I set it at 110, anybody willing to take the over? I would not take the over. I think that's that's, a, that 110 a, is a huge number. That that's a, that would be a sky all-time record. Yeah, you need let's some say, good luck. So let's set the over-under. We're going to set the over-under at 104 for both the Braves and the Angels. I will take the over on both teams. I think I would too, but not by much. Yeah. I think both of them flirt with that 108 by the uh, – was it the 06 Knights? Something like I that. I believe it was the 04 Knights. 04 Knights. And the Mets also won about 112 once upon a time. No, they didn't. So we've, we've had a couple of great teams. Yeah. But, uh, but no, they, the, the, uh, but yeah, no, it would be interesting to see. Oh, uh, it was the, it was the 06 Knights that won 103. The 03 Knights won 108. Uh-huh. And the 06 Mets won 112. No, and they didn't. did not win at all. They won 112 games. Mm-hmm. Did they? Yeah. Sure did. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, they I missed that. lost to Pittsburgh, I believe. Is that uh, one of the year the Infernals yeah, won? They, in lost the championship. To Pittsburgh, they lost to Pittsburgh in seven. In the East Championship. Yeah. It was one of the years Pittsburgh won. Yeah. That was the I year mean, that well, Atlanta put up 943 runs and lost to Pittsburgh in seven as well. Yeah. Well, that's, fact, what, that's, that's what the problem is. All these teams have no fun. Like if the two seeds carry the day, see that's what happens, right? Is these three seeds get hot? It's fifty-fifty over the course of the entire. I mean, I present my statistics during the playoffs every year, right? It's a fifty-fifty shot. The two-three series. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. It's a short series. It's the only series is five games. I mean, Miami swept Pittsburgh last year. You never know yep. what happens. That's why I'm glad I got a six-game cushion. 
And then I'm not the, the angels. Those three seats are dangerous. Those three seats are dangerous. And then once they win that series, they're sort of pumped up. They're sort of hot. Get the impression that the game sort of likes that. They like those stories. That's what happened to Seattle last year. I think the vast majority of our recent winners have all been came out of the wild card. L.A., Seattle, New York did it twice out of the wild card, I believe. Yeah. And Pittsburgh, when they won in 06, they came out of the wild card. I'm not sure Pittsburgh's was were any of Pittsburgh's championships. Didn't they win two of them? They won two uh, or three. 08, they, they uh, won the division by one game. Oh, okay. So they did win the division in the one. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Mets yeah. in 07, they won the, they won the North. Uh, the Mets in 05, I, they, they were seven games behind Cleveland. Baltimore was they were, the they, they, they two, might seed. two seed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's game. what makes it great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> even though we're saying how dominant the good teams are, fuck, come playoff time, who the hell knows? I mean, right. the last true dominant team that won it all, I'd say maybe the the one Expos. Yeah, that team was historically good. Yeah, the parity in the league was a lot better in one so the the win totals were just lower, and I'd they won o- like a hundred two yeah. games or something. And then O two, the Mets won one hundred and five and won it all. Yeah, gradually as we've gone, the parity is. It's gotten worse, but winning 100 plus games in 2001, 2002 was really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, well I believe right, that guys. does it for Trent and Drich. I am Jake. Thank you very much for listening to the mid-season special. I will see y'all in Slack.